Welcome to the Be A Smart Woman podcast. Everyone has their own story to tell, and you never know what impact your story might have on someone else's life. This is the foundation of the Be A Smart Woman movement. Our movement seeks to empower women through the sharing of their journeys with other women. Sometimes we don't even realize the lessons that our stories hold until we share them with others. I am Claire Faithful, founder of Be A Smart Woman. And it is my hope and dream that this podcast will illuminate personal lessons for you, the way listening to other women's stories has inspired me for years. We are so glad you are here. Let's enjoy this journey together. Welcome to episode two with the absolutely lovely Alison Sher. Alison is a renowned author of the Millennial's Guide to Changing the World and number one expert on this subject. In this episode, we will be discussing in more depth the power of the millennial woman and how they can change the world. About the youngest elected congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the difference she is making as an empowered smart woman and how it is time for all women to stand up for themselves and make a difference. Welcome, Alison, to the show again. Oh my God, we are so lucky to have you back. Um, the first um, podcast we did, we talked um, about um, Alison's book and her message in the world, but we thought we'd come back and have another call and talk about kind of like the empowerment of millennials in in the workplace and also, you know, how to how we're handling what's going on in government and that side of things that sometimes we don't really want to talk about or even deal with. We just want to like bury our heads as we, we just discussed in the sand. So I just was wondering... You know, what, how do you feel about what's going on with with our society as in the sense of with government and how millennials are handling it? And what can a millennial, or basically anyone really, do to change? What can we do to help society and make that change? Thank you, Claire. Um, it's great to be back. Yes, first of all, I just want to say that. And great question. I mean, this is it's complex. And I will start off by saying that if every single millennial voted, our entire Congress would look completely different. Wow. Completely. We are 33, we'll be 33% of the voting block by 2020. So politicians really, when we understand that politicians are just people trying to keep their jobs and that a lot of times they're going to tow a party line based on what are the needs, the interests of the people who are voting for them? Right. That is usually how they will create their campaign platform because they want to get voted in. Now, because millennials don't vote, our interests are not really taken into consideration. Mm. So if millennials voted, our interests, which are much more, I would say, like democratic socialism... I would say something that we would really, we would like to be like the Nordic countries, you know, 
everyone have access to health care, everyone have access to as much education as they need without going into debt over it to be able to provide services to society, a larger safety net, uh, more say over how our tax dollars are spent, all of all of these things, no more war, like drain the military industrial complex. America is an incredibly wealthy country. We have more GDP than, you know, it's Japan and America. And America still is outperforming Japan by so much. We're such a wealthy country and we're, we're dealing with so many people who can't make a living and make ends meet. And it's, it's absolutely horrible. And the only thing that can change it is government is the legislative branch. And so we really need to understand what's going on. I'm super excited that there's a millennial in Congress right now. Oh, yeah. Tell us about, I, I mean, I mentioned it earlier when we were talking before we started the podcast. Um, tell, tell me about her. Tell us a little bit about her. So her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she is on a democratic socialist platform. She's completely grassroots funded. So that's another thing is she didn't get any of her campaign money through corporate donations, which is another thing we're seeing is that the corporations are running the legislative branch because all of the representatives where their marketing budget to get into office was paid for by these corporations, so they have to represent their interests. So she found a way to really bypass all of this corruption and really be a congresswoman who is representing us and our needs. And we're dealing with this really interesting Donald Trump presidency that has yeah. <laughs> sh- has li- shown us a lot of very disturbing things about how our society is run, about patriarchy, about fraud, about uh, s- sexual misconduct, about unfettered capitalism, about this whole good old boys club. You know, when you're at a Congress table and every single person making a decision for women's reproductive rights is a man, that's a problem. An old white man. Like, that's a problem. (laughs) You look at the Canadian Parliament and the person who decides about youth issues is a youth person. The person who decides about a diversity initiative is an African-American. A person who decides about women's reproductive rights is a a woman. woman. Yes. You know, people who actually understand the perspective. It can't be these out-of-touch old men who are just running from this very strange way of looking at the world that is myopic ultimately it only applies to them and they are the minority and we are the majority but we until our needs are represented in congress our rights are going to be continually stripped away from us and the standard of living of the average person is not going to be taken into consideration and if the millennials just voted or ran for offices they feel called this this uh, congresswoman that I'm talking about she was a bartender before she was put into office and what we saw during midterms was much more a much higher voter turnout we now have native two native american women in congress yes that's so wonderful we're ha- it's going to start diversifying and these people who are embodying 
integrity, who do care about the people, who do believe that there is a different way to run this country, the wealthiest country in the world, that we don't have to have poverty, we don't have to have a bunch of sick people, we don't, we can be leading the world in alternative energy initiatives, all of these things, America can be this, and we can be this quickly once we start having politicians that represent us. And I think, you know, millennials, like you, we were saying in the previous podcast that we want to be hippies or like we feel so alienated and disenfranchised by the system. Mm. And then there's also like a youthful rebellion that's part of it too, where you're like down with the system. But we need, <laughs> ultimately need systems and this is the one we've got. And there's an element to it where we have some agency inside of it. And if we just abandon it because, A, it's too complex to understand, we think it's too complex to understand, B, we feel like we don't have any power in it because that's how what we've been made to believe, and C, we've, you know, given up hope, maybe, you know, given up hope that, you know, nothing's going to change and things are changing. We're starting to see these people who are millennials, women, millennial women, a Hispanic millennial woman who is standing up. And when you listen to her, she makes complete sense. She makes complete sense. And so that's a a woman that's really showing, showing us that, you know, you can be a smart woman and you can make a change and you don't have to be stuck in a box. And you can be 20, how old is she? 27. 27. I mean, that to me is like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Because I think that basically says to all of us out there, it's like, no, we can make a difference. We can make a change. And yeah, I love it. So she deals with a lot of adversity, though. You know, you have to deal with the identity politics that are involved with this and like all of her views being discredited because she is a young, smart woman. And she she faces it. She's tackling it. She just she's like Teflon. She just lets them all just bounce back. Uh, she just shoots them back at the approach. Return to sender. <laughs> I like that one. Return to sender. I'm not, I'm not taking it. I love that. It's like we can. We we actually. I think that you got that. You guys as millennials are are so powerful, and I think when you can capture the power you hold, especially with women. I said a millennial woman. Whoa! It's like if you can capture how powerful you are, the world is going to change for the better. I really do believe that. So, I mean, I felt I find it very interesting though your perspective on how things, the old paradigm in government, and then how these little by little things are changing. So it would be kind of cool to feel like there would be more young people standing out and running for office. I don't know what age. Do you know the age that you have to be to run? I think, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, so I don't want to say. I don't want to say, but I know that she is the youngest one that has ever been elected. Yeah, so, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, while we need to see, all people really need to see is an example of someone who's doing it for that hope to get sparked. Because when all you see is people telling you it's impossible, it's never going to happen, this is just the way things are, that to the miracle is the paradigm shift. Like the miracle is the shift in perception, the, the impossible to I'm possible. 
you know, all of these things. And when we let go of these limiting beliefs and stop being brainwashed by these, I mean, look at the, they are incredibly psychologically manipulative, incredibly psychologically manipulative, like what we're seeing with some of these men who are running these country, this country. And we're like, we're not going to play your games, but like we're going... You have to go and change the we game. We have to go change the game. And I will say from a personal standpoint that I do feel that there's way too many old people in power at this point. And it's like, really, can you not just retire? <laughs> like, move on. You did a great job. We appreciate everything you did, but we are in a new time now. And I think sometimes the tendency is when you're in your 60s and 70s or 80s, <laughs> you want to still have the show running the way it was always run and it and it's time for change. I mean, it really is time for a huge change. And so I, so again, going back to your book and the work you're doing, I mean, I'm hoping you're going to really inspire lots of your millennial um, partners in crime to sort of like stand up. Maybe you could stand up because, and get into government. You know, that would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Probably not for me this round. <laughs> no, but I'm sure that there's lots of people out there that, that really could do that, and we need that. So any of you millennials out there listening, just consider that maybe you could you could run for government. I mean, and you could make a difference. And you don't have to be stuck in the old way. Because I think, you know, you, you mentioned something about healthcare for all, and, you know, I came from England where we had healthcare for everyone. And it was never, like, we didn't think oh, have fear about, I'm going to get sick, what happens if I get this, or what happens if I get that? There was none of that. You got sick, you went to the doctor, they took care of you. You needed to go to the hospital, you went to the hospital. You didn't have to worry that you would lose your home and the bills you were going to have to pay. You can also choose to have private health insurance. They do have that there, so some people want to be more pampered and have private rooms and all of that stuff. But I think it... That is a very important thing for maybe millennials to really start standing up for. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, I mean, I think it makes absolute sense. If everyone's sick and no one can get health care, then all the sicknesses are going to spread. Right. You know, like it makes sense for it's an issue for it's for issue issue for rich people, too. It's like how who likes that going outside and seeing sick people who can't get help. And another thing is like when if you if you get sick and you have to drain your entire life savings on healthcare costs, I mean, that's ridiculous. That's Well, that's what I feel. I mean, I see people I know who have had, say, you know, that maybe their wife had cancer and then they used all their money because they didn't have the right health insurance to cover all the expenses. So then they've lost everything. And I actually know people that, like, are living in a very, you know, they're in their 70s and, and where they should have had a much better quality of life, they're not because they've had to put all their money into paying healthcare bills. And so I think that would be a really great thing for millennials to start standing for because clearly our generations have not, it's not worked out here in this country. Yeah, and the only, unfortunately, the only way to do it is to get political and, you know, I don't think anyone really likes conflict you think that millennials are not, they're not really into confrontation? I don't know many people who are, unless they're bullies, you know, but at certain point, you know, we have to kind of choose our battles and stand up for ourselves. 
and demand what's what's ours. It's interesting. People think millennials have entitlement issues. Like we think we deserve things that we haven't earned or something. Right. Sometimes I think we have entitlement issues that we aren't actually like going out there and like, no, we are entitled to health care. We are entitled to a living wage. Right. We are entitled to all of these things. We are entitled to respect. We are entitled to have a seat at the table. You know, all of these things. So, so yeah, it's very interesting. And unfortunately, we don't learn about these things in school. There was a funny meme going around, and it was like the American education system. Um. And it was like... <laughs> There's like this guy yelling in your face and he's like, E equals MC squared. <laughs> and then there's like a high schooler and he says, I need to know how to file my taxes. And then the guy <laughs> yells back at his face, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. He's like, I need to know how to schedule a doctor's appointment. And they're like, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It's like we learn all these things that we don't, that don't Made really help us to like engage with the system. And if we just changed the education system to teach us that, that's why I wrote this book. I'm like, I hope this is just like a crap. This is what you need to know that they didn't teach you so that you can, um, you can have agency. No. And that is one of the things I even, yeah, that I've seen like with my daughter, you know, I taught her these things, you know, like I call it the baby steps of like learning how to manage money or, you know, and I would say to her, honey, you have to learn how to do a tax return now. You know, you have to pay taxes. And But I think in school, they don't teach any of this stuff. Like, I mean, maybe they have like a two-hour special ed class where they do something about that. But that's it. And I go, how can you go out out in society and then become a responsible human being if you're not, if you're being told that mathematical equations are way more important than learning how to write a check? you know, or manage your bank account or manage money, be responsible for that. How, I mean, so I'm feeling like you guys have maybe got a bit of a raw deal because I don't think you have been taught this stuff. Thank you, Claire. I love I when know, I get I people know. like, you millennials got a raw I'm deal. Like, like, yes! I'm actually <laughs> feeling the plight of your people right now. I'm, My people. Your people. I'm feeling it. I'm like, God, there's always another side to the judgment as well. Like the finger pointing, I go, well, you know, like when you point a finger, you're really pointing three fingers back at you. So, you know, so maybe, you know, all these things that are spoken about, about what millennials are, is it's not really true. Maybe we did a bad job as baby boomers in teaching our little millennials how to, to function in the world, you know? Because we mollycoddled them. We wanted to protect them. I know I did that. So I can speak from experience. And it's hard. Because when we were growing up, or when I was growing up, we were just kind of thrown out there. You know, no one cared. You fell down. It was like, oh, don't worry. You'll be fine. You know, like, you take your bike down the road. You cycle to your friends. You don't come home too late. It was like, no one cared. You know, it's like, there was no cell phones. There was no way people could reach you. I remember when I traveled to India for like four months and I didn't have a, I didn't have a way. I think I sent my parents a postcard once just to say I was alive. <laughs> I mean, you know, like once towards, and um, can, when can you pick me up at the airport? I'll be arriving home at this time. That was it. So we had this different, well, we had to kind of work it out. We were kind of thrown out there. But I think for as millennials, you've been, we've, 
the baby boomers have kind of mollycoddled and then wonder why, well, why are they not doing all these things that we did? Well, because no one gave a crap about what we were doing. They really didn't. They were like, you'll be fine, off you go. And we were fine and we did work it out. But then I think we were like, oh, we didn't like that. So we have our little babies and then we love them. And, oh, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to I'm going to do all this wonderful stuff. And you just get good grades. And I want you to be an A student and all that good stuff. So that's what you learned. Right? <laughs> and and being like an a, a student doesn't mean you're even going to be able to do well inside of a company. No. Because it's it completely different nothing. etiquette. It's completely different way of functioning. It's Yeah, I mean, and in some ways we are having to figure it out. And it's very interesting. I talk about this in the parenting chapter. You know, it's like there was like these helicopter parents and they're like, I'll do everything for you to make sure that you do it right. But then what that teaches a child is that they can't do it themselves. Yes. They so can't we, do it themselves. So that's another thing that I think is going to change with your millennial, with the millennials is that you're probably going to develop a new style of parenting. Oh yeah, I'm clearly seeing that maybe the other the you know the uh, the old school type of parenting from the baby boomers and maybe my generation it it, it didn't work and <laughs> it really kind of disenabled you to be like empowered human beings out there. I feel that I see I've seen that with like a lot of a lot of my friends and their kids and. You know, like, they're in their 20s and they're still living at home or they're still kind of looking for mommy to help them here or do this. And I'm going, God, by that time I was so long gone and doing my thing. And I think we've sort of protected our kids. Like, and so then they go in the workplace and then they're like, oh, my God, this is really hard work. Never means mean. They're not they're like mean. They're not like, they don't give a crap about me. I think I always used to tell Laura, I was like... You know, when you get out in the world world, you'll see they will not give a crap about you. <laughs> it's true. And that's sad, too. Isn't like, it awful that I even said that? Too. That's even that's sad that no one gives a crap about you. Well, it's, it's all so interesting. It's all so interesting. And I know my parents are like this, that, you know, I'm their little baby. And every time I have some weird idea about how to change the world that doesn't work and I fall on my butt... They're like, I'm like, oh, I need a thousand dollars. Like, I tried to change the world and it didn't work. And like, um, but it goes into also around roles is what we were talking about earlier. It's like being able to surrender your role as parent, being able to surrender your role as the chief of this organization, doing things your way and passing on power passing on resources, being okay with, you know, humans are, our whole life is just a problem to solve. That's, that's what makes us different than other animals. Like I, I think our whole life is just existential problem to solve. And so a lot of it revolves around identity and ego and not holding on to identity and self-concept and having a positive self-concept, but knowing that you are not your job. You are not your uh, role as a mother or as a child. All of these things and to just evolve, like evolve with the world around you in a way that um, allows the whole to thrive. Right. Well, I like what you just said about it's, um, it's like about letting go and it's about not having attachment. 
like, you know, about attachment to being the mother or attachment. Like, I always thought, you know, we have to let go of, like, the I'm not my car. Like, like you know, have you ever seen that thing? Of my, I call it the handbag syndrome. It's like, have you seen my designer handbag? Or, you know, what level of tear are you in life based on what you are attaching to yourself? And I call it name and form, which is, it says absolutely nothing about who we really are as a soul. So I love what you just said. It's like about not having that attachment. And I think millennials aren't really like that as consumers either. The way other generations were kind of just taught that, you know, you go to work and you, you deal with it. You, no one cares about you and you have to. <laughs> I know, right? You you have to no one cares you. about you for sure. But you can buy these handbags. <laughs> right. When you get home. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. And then you can show you have a, some status because you have... <laughs> That uh, handbag. And I'm not going to name handbags because I could, but it would be funny. But um, No, I love handbags. Anyone that knows me knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're having a laugh to ourselves. But <clears throat> I, I think that's a great analogy anyway for me. The cars and the handbag, the status symbols, that I think that's a very baby boomy thing. But I think from what I'm seeing of millennials, they don't, that you're right, they don't seem to care about that so much. It's not as important. No, it's and it's certainly not going to compel us. It's not going to be the reason why we work somewhere where we're not treated well just to be able to buy the handbag, you know. And and I think what we're seeing is because millennials were not driven by money the way other generations were. We're not. We're we're much more like we want to buy experiences. We we care. We care about that. We care about being happy now because we're trying to solve the problem of unhappiness. You know, why are we unhappy? Why? Why? Do, like, how can we be happy? How can we have purpose? And what's what we're seeing is that because of that, we're not having kids. We're not getting married. Right. So there's another change there. And. I think with this whole concept of even marriage outside of a capitalist framework, outside of, you know, you kind of feel like, I feel like people settle down to have families. They get married because they want to have a family. I think millennials are really questioning, do I want this? What does it mean? Was my family even genuine? Were my parents married for, like, love? Or was it because of a social norm that they thought that they had to subscribe to? And that's the other thing. Millennials have grown up with a lot of broken families. Oh, yeah. Because the baby boomers, sorry, guys, were not great at staying in those committed relationships. And millennials certainly are not either. And we're trying polyamory. We're trying all these different ways. And and it's it's an existential crisis what's going on between men and women and how can we get along. And, it's, and I think we're really finding that as soon as you get into a partnership, because it's not just like women have more rights, we have a voice now, we're going to say, hey dude, I'm not just going to cook you dinner <laughs> and do whatever you say. Like, I I have needs. I have feelings. The men are in crisis because they're like, feelings? Like, I've been socialized to not have these things. And the women are wanting nurturance and the women are wanting to be equals. And so what I find is when you get into a romantic container, you're often confronted with gender Mm. issues and there's even just like biologically and psychologically a lot of differences between men and women that we don't even 
understand that causes a lot of misunderstandings. Right. And then you're dealing with your childhood stuff. Like, all that stuff starts to pop up. And we're kind of like, ah, like, do I want to look at this? Because I think marriage is becoming the spiritual reason for getting married is to get to the bottom of all of that stuff, to make peace between man and woman, to heal that to be loved the way that you always wished you were growing up now that you have a choice of who's closest to you in exactly. your family and your your chosen family your intimate partnerships and we're all fig- we're figuring it out we don't know it's a different type of sink or swim where we're just like no cuz i think like when i was growing up it was pretty well much expected that you know i'm going to get to a certain age get married have two kids and go on vacations and, you know, have a little house. And that was what I was expected to do. Now, I did not do that. I did break all the rules. I think I could be a millennial in advance, like like 20 years ahead of the curve, because I think I did a lot of that stuff, you know, like I didn't get married. I had a baby. (laughs) Then I got married. Then I got divorced. Then I had to learn all of that. No, all of those things. And, And in retrospect, now I thought, wow, I've... If I had had a different understanding, except from you have to get married and you have to do this, which is probably why I rebelled, um, I may have done things a little differently, I think. But I, I feel like we're not, we haven't been very good teachers to our children. So they're kind of, they, I agree with you. I think you're kind of out there trying to work out, well, do I really want to have that? Look at what my parents just did. It's that wasn't scary. So great. It's scary. And sometimes they do stay together, but they don't really like each other. So I think that's even worse. So I, you know, I, so I, I, I feel for you again. I've said this before, but I feel for your people. Thank you. I really do. Anyway, thank you so much. It's time to wrap it up for today, and that was a fabulous podcast. I look forward to interviewing you again and having you back on our show another time. Thank you so much, Alison Sher. You are amazing, wonderful. We love you. Thank you, Claire. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Alison Cher, for being on the Be A Smart Woman show again today and inspiring women everywhere to believe in themselves and recognize the power they hold within, the difference we can all make one woman at a time to change our world. You can find out more about Alison by checking out her website, www. You can also follow Alison on Facebook or Instagram. You can purchase Alison Share's book, Millennial's Guide to Changing the World, on Amazon. That wraps up our Be a Smart Woman podcast for today. I hope that you discovered something about yourself during today's podcast, as I truly believe we can learn something from everyone we meet. If you like what you heard today, I invite you to subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to have you in our Be A Smart Woman family. You can also follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you've got questions or think you have a story to share, you can find our contact information at beasmartwoman.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time.